Welcome to the Manor. Welcome to the Twin Terrors, Macabre Manor of Mead, Metal, and Mayhem. I'm Jody. I'm James. Yeah. <laughs> I always picture Kermit the Frog when you do that, by the way. Yay! <laughs> you got to do the hand wave thing. You get the- I know. That's, I picture that, too. Except I don't picture you doing I picture Kermit because I, I don't want to see you. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that uh, we're not doing video on this. Because <laughs> you would have just seen it. Well, now, now I'm kind of sad. <laughs> uh, all righty. So for this episode, um, we're not going to talk about the Muppets. Well, oh, I mean, oh, yeah, I know. Well, hey, maybe that could be a future episode. <laughs> Fine. We'll talk about whatever menomena you want. <laughs> what? I thought we might talk about the Iron Maiden song, The Number of the Beast title track to their third album released in uh, 1982 and uh, we're going to talk some about context and this is one of the reasons why i have always been big on context is context yeah so take a drink or two or three because i've i've mentioned context a few times now (laughs) Uh, i'm finishing up uh, a barley wine okay there you go yeah (laughs) go for it Uh, a little background information uh the song was the title track to iron maiden's third album the album was released on uh, march 22nd 1982 the song itself was released as a single on uh, april 26th 1982 the album charted uh, number one in the uk uh, for two weeks it was uh, iron maiden's first number one album in the uk they got the telegram uh, they were on tour in europe uh, i believe they were in sweden or uh, switzerland and uh, they got the telegram at the hotel that their album had just gone number one. And then they all had to go outside and help push the tour bus because the battery was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, we're number one. (laughs) You you know Uh, how they found out, right? The telegram? uh, How? Telegram from Mongo. The album charted in the U.S. at number 33. (laughs) The song was also a, uh, or also charted in in the UK on the UK singles charts at number eighteen. It was written by uh, Iron Maiden's founder and bass player Steve Harris, inspired uh, partially by a nightmare he had after apparently watching the movie Damien, Omen Two, that uh, is mentioned in uh, Mick Wall's uh, biography of Iron Maiden, Run to the Hills. Uh, but it is also partially inspired by the poem Tam O'Shanter by Scottish poet Robert Burns. Robbie Burns! Yeah. For years, I had kind of wondered where the lyrics came from, and I, in high school, um, actually stumbled onto something that made me think that, that Tam O'Shanter had been the inspiration for, for it, or one of the inspirations for it, but I didn't actually have that verification until a few years later. But for me, it was... Uh, my dad had this series of books uh, that was put out by the Danbury Press in the 1970s, uh, and it was a series called The Supernatural. And, and I mean, it, d- it dealt with all sorts of stuff, uh, aliens, UFOs, you know, Loch Ness Monster kind of stuff. But uh, they, they had this one volume on witches and witchcraft. And at some point uh, around my freshman year of high school, after I'd actually been listening to the song for about a year and a half, two years, something like that, I was... 
flipping through one of these books and I saw this illustration of a, not really a witch's Sabbath. Well, maybe it was a witch's Sabbath. It was all these people dancing around and off in the corner playing the bagpipes is old scratch himself, the devil. And, uh, the little caption said that the, uh, illustration was from, uh, Robert Burns poem, Tam O'Shanter. I saw that and I kind of went, well, that's kind of what is going on in the song, the number of the beast. So uh, it turns out later on, I was right that that, that was one of the things that inspired Steve Harris's composition of the song. The poem describes the character of Tam O'Shanter traveling home on his mare, Maggie, also known as Meg, after a night of drinking. He passes by the abandoned and haunted Alloway Kirk, which is Scots for, for church. Kirk. Yeah, yeah. Not, not James T. Um. <laughs> James Tiberius Kirk. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tam hears some noise coming from the abandoned church, and he goes to investigate, and he sees all sorts of uh, witches and warlocks, ghosts, goblins, dancing around, and to the devil playing the bagpipes. And during a lull, kind of in, the, in, in the, the festivities, he shouts something out, draws attention to himself, and then is chased. He jumps on, on his horse, Maggie, and they, they, uh, they take off and barely make it to the creek. Of course, the others being supernatural entities can't cross running water. But Maggie uh, manages to lose her tail at the last instant before they get away. There's a DVD series called Classic Albums where they do kind of a documentary thing on, on different records and uh, they've done one for number of the beast and uh, steve harris mentions that he had had read the poem uh, tama shanter in school and had stuck with him throughout the years so that was kind of the lyrical uh, inspiration the song was recorded in uh, 1981 near the end of the year singer bruce dickinson had just joined the band uh, so this was his first album with maiden uh, it was also drummer Clive Burr's last album with Iron Maiden. He finished out the tour and then was sacked by the band uh, for partying too hard, basically. <laughs> Which, hey, you know what? And that was that was that's always been the thing with Maiden. You drink however much you want, but but <laughs> but if it's, you have to function, and if it starts to affect what's going on on stage, you're going to be out of the band. And it happened with Clive Burr. That's what got him kicked out. And that's what happened with Paul Deano, who was their original singer. And that's why they brought Bruce in. On the uh, Classic Albums DVD, they talked to uh, album producer Martin Birch. And he talks about trying to get the first four lines down. Um, he wanted kind of a certain atmosphere to it. So they, uh, he, he worked with Bruce, uh, recorded it over and over and over several times. Bruce said that they spent something like four hours just on those four lines and Bruce was exhausted and in the song. Um, and Bruce is a man in who's in good shape and that's in good shape now. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce is, um, <laughs> yeah, Bruce is, a he's kind of a Renaissance man. I mean, this guy, he is a commercial airline pilot. When they go on tour, he flies the plane that the band travels on now. <laughs> Um, he is, or was, and I, he didn't compete in the Olympics, but he was an Olympic level fencer. fencer. Yeah. 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 I think he was Olympic level. He, he, he did a lot of competitions in the eighties when they were touring around, he would find some place to go compete. So yeah, what James says, he was, he's in pretty good shape. He's, he's always been <laughs> in pretty good shape. Um, by the time they got all that recorded, should we, uh, should we play a snippet? We should probably play a snippet of the screen. 
what it was, they, they'd recorded these four lines over and over and over and over until Martin Birch, the producer, got what he wanted out of Bruce. And then he was like, so do you want to you want to do the scream? And Bruce was like, yes. <laughs> and, and he lets out this awesome heavy metal scream. I left alone. My mind was blank. thing martin birch was talking about uh there's a there's another documentary called the early years covered up like through the first four albums that maiden did and martin birch talked about talking about this album he was also the engineer for a lot of the uh deep purple albums in the 70s in particular machine head uh, which is considered probably their finest album and he uh he said that during the recording of number of the beast of the album that uh he compared it to the to the vibe that was going on when Deep Purple recorded Machine Head. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Number of the Beast was the album that broke Maiden in the in the States. They they were already big in the UK and British Isles and uh mainland Europe. They were, you know, up and coming here in the States, but Number of the Beast was the album that really broke them here. And I believe it was their first headline tour here in the States. It's uh came out like i said in 82 right at the beginnings of the uh what, what they refer to as the satanic panic here in the u.s this of course sent the christian right into a frenzy here in the u.s they were burning iron maiden records which among other things among other things yeah which um you know anytime you have a group saying this stuff's bad you shouldn't listen to it what do the teenagers go out and do <laughs> <laughs> They listen to their elders because their elders know better. <laughs> yeah. So that probably, um, you know, Maiden loved it. They sold a lot of records. <laughs> I'd like to point out. Yes, please um, do. One of the things, thank you, I will. <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned in a podcast that I'm, I, I grew up in a Catholic family and kind of recovering Catholic. I went to a Catholic school for eight years. And when I went to this Catholic school, there were a couple guys two years older than I am. And so we were never in the same class, but we would have recess at the same time. And they would take their cassette player, you know, what we would call a boom box back in the day out and they would play their cassettes. And a lot of it was for the most part, they played three bands. One was Def Leppard. Yeah. You know, you got the intro there. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. If I ever hear over the mountain, bam, I'm back at Sacred Heart. <laughs> And Iron Maiden was 
they, they always played that. And Number of the Beast and Run to the Hills were two of the songs they played a lot. So Scott and Wade, between you and my brothers who bought me cassettes of metal <laughs> bands. Of course, I have people like Jody here who, who helped too, but those are different yeah. episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Specifically Maiden, you know, th- this album. And uh, let's see, this is 82. So, yes, this one and the one after it would have been the big ones that they were they were playing. Oh, uh, peace of mind. Oh, I, I wasn't going to get off topic. I was just yeah, I'm letting just letting you find your place. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you know, you fucker. <laughs> yeah. So uh, another little thing about Martin Birch and a weird thing that happened uh, while they were working on this album. Martin Birch got into a fender bender in London while they were working on the album. And he, he ran into uh, a minibus. I guess it was a VW. I don't know. That's the reference I found in Anyway, he, he gets into this fender bender with this minibus. So he gets out of his car and the occupants of the minibus get out and they're all nuns. <laughs> so did they smack him with no, three sided deer rulers? <laughs> no, no, no. Um they I guess they whatever whatever they do in in england when you you have a fender bender i don't know if it's the same as here in the states so you know they they did their stuff and he took his car to get it repaired and they gave him the repair bill and it came out to 666 pounds (laughs) (laughs) and and he looks at the guy and he says I'll pay you six hundred and sixty-five. I'll pay you six hundred and sixty-seven, but I'm not paying. I'm not paying you six hundred and sixty-six. <laughs> so, I, I've not mentioned this before. My professional job is a, a numbers runner. Oh wait, no, that's mafia. I'm a statistician, <laughs> um, and, and so I do numbers all the time. And occasionally, I'll come up with p-value a significance value it tells you if something's meaningful or not of 0.666 or 0.0666 or i'll get a mean value of 666 of some kind with the decimal point somewhere in there i'm like yeah i know law of large numbers it's gonna happen (laughs) i mean i've probably seen the same that 666 the same number of times i've seen any other three digit combination but you know you see it and you're like (laughs) Snicker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, every time I play Kingdom of Loathing and I see something, whether it's damage or it's MP points or it's HP points, it's <laughs> every time I see it, I snicker when it, when it hits that level. Yeah. So I do celebrate a uh, half Satan day. What? <laughs> yeah. It is where in the calendar year we are 333 days from Halloween. Oh, okay. Because it's close to Halloween, because you know a lot of churches don't like that either, and it's three 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 as yeah. opposed to six six six. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Half Satan day. <laughs> well, the song starts with a quote. Uh, it's two passages from the Book of Revelation out of the Bible, read by English actor Barry Clayton, and I did not write down what the chapter and verses were. We can drop it in for the recording. So I don't have to read it. I guess I could do it off the top of my head, but I, I want you to hear well, him saying it. And, and what, of course, the listeners need to know is that when we try to pick up the Bible and read out of it, it burns. Now, that's not true. I was just looking something up the other day. Oh, I meant Robbie Burns. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
know which one I'd rather read. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know which one I'd rather read. Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil sends the beast with wrath because he knows the time is short. Let him who hath understanding reckon the number of the beast, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. The narrator in the song, it kind of starts out, he's talking about this, I guess, an altered state. He's disoriented, uh, down depressed kind of stuff. He's wandering around until he stumbles upon something. He's not sure if it's real. He's not sure what he's seeing. He's horrified at first. Uh, He wants to go get the authorities. But the more he watches, the, the more he's drawn into it. By the end, he's fully drawn into it. And this is kind of where there's a twist in what makes it different from Burns's poem, Tam O'Shanter. He becomes part of it. And he claims its power as his own. Now, you know, again, especially here in the States, this drove people batshit. Oh, they're Satanists, they're Satanists. Listen to these lyrics. You're taking the lyrics out of context. You're assuming that Bruce Dickinson, as the singer, or Steve Harris as the songwriter, is describing something that they actually want to do and that's not what it is they're telling a story again inspired by a movie and a nightmare from having watched that movie and a poem and you know metal has this problem but it's almost like it's only metal that has this problem as an example welsh singer tom jones um (laughs) was was real big in the 60s and 70s uh i had a hand in your mom and and in your mom um tom I, i won't say he was the first but Tom Jones was known for the women in the audience throwing their panties on the stage. That, that's actually, yes, that's, that, that was why my NSFW comment was made. <laughs> One of his first and biggest hits was a song called Delilah. And, you know, it's a song, he's in love with this woman, Delilah. And by the end of the song, she has ridiculed him and he, he stabs her and kills her. I, I think or he shoots her. He kills her regardless of how, but, Nobody was going around saying that Tom Jones needed to be thrown in jail for murdering this poor woman. Everybody knew it was a story, but you get a a heavy metal band that does this song like number of the beast and it's satanic and they're ruining the, our youth. And you know, they're, they're, (laughs) and it's a bunch of shit is what it is. It's people trying to control other people. If I might interject. Please do. Okay. So two things. A quick one is that, and now I want to do an episode on the satanic panic because where I grew up, actually things happened. Yeah. Oh, Um, we should. We should. Because we'll talk about Dungeons and Dragons too. Yes. Uh, But the other is I both agree with you and disagree. It's not just metal. Metal, I think it's the bad rap for satanic type of things. Well, that's true. Yeah. Rap, especially hardcore rap, gets a bad rap when it comes to, now I will say when you have lyrics like, shoot the police yes uh, people are going to take that they're going to take it literally you mean it yeah whether you mean it literally or not and i think there's a case to be made that it was literal it was a defensive mechanism of making sure you're safe in your own neighborhood but again it's it's a way of taking a whole genre and and so we could do an episode on that and jody and i aren't big rap 
fans. No, not um, <laughs> kind of like not, punk. <laughs> yeah, not, not 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 in the least. But we appreciate the message that right. So heavy metal gives us the message that resonates with us. Yeah, we get that rap and hardcore rap resonates and gives a message to urban youths and black youths and people in that same type of atmosphere and where you're brought up and where you're growing up your neighborhood. You know, when you're talking about shooting the police, sure, I see why the police union stress. But they mm-hmm. have a reason for writing those lyrics. Yeah. So they also get a bad rap and all of a sudden everybody freaks out. And mm-hmm. maybe if you had taken what they're saying and understood the whole story and the whole context, just like Jody saying with heavy metal and Satanism and Tamashanter and the difference between Robbie Burns poem and what the lyrics still <sighs> fucking get some context. Yeah. And something not lyrical not with the lyrics, but something else that you can look at for context with this song were the album covers. Uh, there, there, are three, <laughs> there are three album covers associated with this song. The main album cover for the full album, Number of the Beast, and then the covers or cover art for the two singles, Run to the Hills, which we may do an episode on that. That, that song is about the American West, and it's about Native Americans and what the American government did to them. All three album covers tie in together. The first cover for uh, Run to the Hills pictures the band's mascot, Eddie, uh, who's on the artwork for almost every release they've done. I know of at least two things that they've released that have not had Eddie on them, and they were both singles. The Run to the Hills artwork has Eddie in hell, locked in combat with the devil. Eddie has a, has a hatchet, actually a tomahawk, uh, because of the Run to the Hills. So he's got a Native American tomahawk, and uh, the devil has his pitchfork. And you can tell just by what's going on in the picture that Eddie's actually getting the better of him. The album itself, the cover, has three figures on it. One of them is Eddie, giant looming Eddie, looming over the devil. And if you look closely, you can see that Eddie is actually a puppet master and he's using the devil as a puppet and you have to look close down near the bottom but what you can see down there is that the devil is also a puppet master with a puppet of eddie so the question was who's really in control and that was kind of what they were trying to get with the album cover the third piece of artwork is the cover for the single for the actual song number of the beast and it it, it is eddie again still in hell carrying the devil's severed head. So you know who won the fight. Now, if they were really satanic, would they have had the devil lose the fight? If I can interject here again. Yes, please do. I see exactly what you're saying and agree. Yes. But <laughs> growing, growing up like I did, yes, I can see the, the evangelical point of, well, it's because Eddie's even more evil, and he just wanted to take over and make things worse. And you think Satan was bad. Heavy metal's even worse. I, I can hear him saying that. To which I say, piss off. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, eat a dick. Uh, I was trying to be nice about it, but yeah, okay, eat a dick. <laughs> so was I. <laughs> <sighs> if you take it in the bigger context of the album artwork with the lyrics or just, you know, with, with the whole thing and also looking a little bit at the background of what, what inspired the lyrics, you see, it's not really satanic, even though, you know, like I said, by the end of the song, the narrator is joining in with this, whatever this thing was that disturbed and horrified him so much. But I think 
and this was something that I, I don't think Steve Harris had in mind when he wrote the song uh, that he may have, he's never, I've never heard him say this one way or the other, but I, I think it's about getting caught up in something. Well, just getting caught up in something, whether, you know, it's something bigger than yourself or whatnot and a, a real life parallel to this. And I did look again, the history channel several years ago, and I know it's been more than 10 years ago, they ran a series about World War II where they interviewed not just soldiers, not just American soldiers. They interviewed German soldiers. They interviewed civilians who had survived the war. And uh, one, of the, one of the gentlemen that they interviewed, and again, I, I did, I looked for this on YouTube. I looked for this on the History Channel website and I could not find it. And I may be wrong. It may have been on A&E or something, but I could have sworn it was on the History Channel. But they, they interviewed this guy. Uh, he was a German Jew. The Nazis had come to power. They were starting to pass the laws in Germany uh, to take rights away from the Jews. And they had imposed curfews and they were having all their rallies. And he was about 17 and he, he was curious as to what was going on at these rallies. So he snuck out one night and he went to one of the rallies and he said that with all of the, the theatrics and the pomp and the ritualistic stuff that was going on and the bonfires and just everything that was going on, the, the energy of the crowd. Um, I don't know if it was in Berlin or if it was in, you know, Nuremberg or wherever it was. So I'm not sure who was speaking, but he said that by the end of this rally, they almost had him convinced. Damn. Yeah. And when I heard this interview, or watched it immediately what popped into my mind was it's kind of like the narrator in the number of the beast he got so caught up in it he was drawn into it and joined it you know and that's what this guy described and that kind of stuff happens but like i said i don't steve harris has never described anything like that when he's talked about this so i i really don't think you know one I, i'm pretty sure he did not know that story but i i don't think that he was really maybe thinking of anything along those lines when he wrote it. But that's kind of what happens in, in the song. It's a, it's a great song. Uh, if you're in the metal, if, if you're in the metal and you don't already know it, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. But you should have at least, there. yeah, there is, but you should have at least heard this one. I mean, it's, it's, it's a classic yeah. old school metal song, but um, if you're not in the metal, I, you know, give it a listen. Iron Maidens and what was considered a new wave of British heavy metal band. Uh, okay. Going to ask you. Yeah. Do you say, do you actually spell out the acronym with the letters or do you say Nawabam? Actually. Or do you just say new wave of British heavy metal? I just say new wave of British heavy metal. Although when I was looking back at the DVDs earlier, Bruce was actually talking about that because he was talking about when he was in Samson and Maiden's manager, uh, Rod Smallwood came to him and invited him to join the band he was talking about new wave of British heavy metal and he, he did say Nawabam. He said, you, you know, or, or Nawabam, if you like, <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah. I, I say the whole thing, but I, if we're going to use the acronym, Nawabam's much easier than saying each letter. Yeah. New. And, and I would have to stop and think <laughs> of what the letters were. I, that is why I have not said it. Yeah. I have to, either, I have to see it on a page reading it and I can do it, but yeah. Yeah. If you like clean vocals with your music, 
Bruce Dickinson is one of the best vocalists ever. And again, like I said, he's got this iconic scream in the song. Cool. Yeah, that's actually why I like power metal and Nuwabam yeah. over a lot of others. I like clean vocals. I like soaring vocals. Yeah. But. Now, I would say as a counterpoint, I, I am getting more used to other vocal styles in metal. Oh, I still love me some black metal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of like James. I, I, I probably prefer the, the cleaner vocals. New wave of British heavy metal, old school metal, power metal, symphonic. Yeah, some of that. Some of the symphonic metals are pretty good, but uh, won't go into that right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, great band, uh, great album, great song. It is. It is still considered one of their iconic albums, and uh, made a statement for the time. Yeah, obviously. So, I, yeah. I mean, I remember something from how old am i not not carry the knot <laughs> 35 not quite 35 between 30 35 years ago i specifically remember those three bands i mentioned earlier and yeah yeah this is one of them so and and that was at a point where i wasn't into metal because i was at an age where i didn't really know what i was into yet yeah and robbie burns yes think we should do an episode on burns night we should yeah uh fun thing about uh robbie burns um if you read his poetry out loud because he t- he tended to write it in a scots dialect you you will speak with a scottish accent without having to try to speak with a scottish accent you will <laughs> um so so we'll do a bigger episode evidently on on, on robert burns and maybe yeah. burns night burns night is a night in january his birthday celebrating <laughs> the birth of robert burns <laughs> um and, and you have specific foods and you do specific poems and we can talk about that and i'll talk about my my foods and drinks and that stuff i do but i have specific poems i do at different times of the year he has some on halloween Yes. That I do at Halloween night. He's got someone. Uh, so Tamish answers one and there's actually one called Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got one called, I, I think it's Ode to Haggis, but it's about Haggis, which I read on Burns night. And ha- I just saw that. Yes. But I mean, if you read his poetry and again, I, you know, I have a ton of Scottish ancestry. Doesn't mean I can actually speak in a Scottish accent when I do it's that overtly fake American high Scottish accent, but here you go. Are you ready? Yes. But whither the bedlam's all didn't roll, rigwoody hags what speed and fall, la ping a flingin' on a crummock, I wonder didn't turn my stomach. <laughs> and that is a four-line stanza in Tamishanter. <laughs> yeah. And, and by the way, Sark, uh-huh. um, he mentioned Sark and Cuddy Sark and different things. Just means shirt. I don't know why it's one of my favorite Scots Gaelic words. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that also a uh, whiskey or something? Uh, Cuddy Sark is a uh, whiskey, a Scotch. Yeah, a Scotch. So, yeah. As as a heads up, so Sark is sure. Yes. Cuddy Sark is a whiskey, and uh, I'm fairly certain the name of a ship. You may have heard me mumble it a second ago. Yeah, but I'm also fairly certain that it means witch, which is why Cuddy Sark. Which is why it was in the poem. Yeah. And that poem. But Sark is also, you see Cuddy Sark and mm-hmm. Sark. So they do mean different things. If you see Cuddy Sark, it's which Sark is shirt 
and he uses it in I mean, I've not read all of his poetry, but he uses Sark a lot. Many places. Yeah. So the first time you heard Number of the Beast was on the playground? Yes. Okay. I was terrified probably the first time I saw the cover art. I, I just I you gotta remember Maiden came out, punk was the big thing. That's what that's what was getting all the I, and it was getting national news. I mean, I remember I remember the national news talking about the punk movement. So when Maiden came out and I, I started seeing their, their albums at the mall in the record store, I thought they were a punk band, but they scared the piss out of me. <laughs> and yeah, their posters were creepy. <laughs> they were because they had Eddie as, as uh, you know, in all their artwork. So I probably the first time I actually heard any of their music, I would have been living in Virginia and it was weird that I would see it. So I don't know if it was the network or if it was the local cable company that was doing this. They had released a VHS tape uh, called video pieces. Uh, and it had the two videos uh, for run to the Hills and number of the beast. And then it had the videos from the peace of mind album, uh, the trooper and uh, flight of Icarus during the advertisement that I would see on TV after school um, on Nickelodeon for some reason, uh, like I said, I don't think it was Nickelodeon running the ad. I think it was the local cable company was running the ad, you know, when they were showing local commercials. And anyway, so there, I would hear, I would hear the music a little, you know, little snippets of it. And it was kind of scary. <laughs> but if you ask me who the first metal band was that I actually bought an album by, it was Maiden. Nice. And probably just with, within a year, year and a half of me seeing those commercials and being scared to death of them. That was, I mean, you know, I was into kiss and I kind of got into wasp a little bit about that time, but the, the first band that you can actually look at and go, yes, that's a heavy metal band. Instead of saying, well, they may be hard rock. It was maiden. Mine was Aussie. This song took me a while to get used to <laughs> because yeah, I, again, not knowing the full context of everything and, and, and still coming from at that point, a background where, I, I still considered myself Christian. Yeah, the lyrics kind of freaked me out a little bit, but I got past it. Um, <laughs> and, and just, you know, as, as a case in point with that, Iron Maiden's current drummer, and he's been with them since not this album. Uh, he, was, he replaced Clive Burr. Uh, his name's Nico McBrain. It's actually not his birth name. I don't remember what that is. But yeah, stage name is Nico McBrain. Um, Nico is born again Christian. And they play this song every night they play a show. And Nico has no problem playing this song. He loves the song because he knows it's just a song. Yeah. Okay. I think that would be a good thing to put in the uh, satanic panic episode. I think so too. <laughs> Cause I, I, I have too much to say to on that and it's just, <sighs> yes, <laughs> it hurts. It hurts so bad. Yeah. So, uh, I hope you enjoyed that. That's about all I've got on the song number of the beast. Um, I could go on more about the album, but, um, I didn't prepare notes on that. So, (laughs) (laughs) uh, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks for listening. I'm Jody. I'm James. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) The Macabre Manor is brought to you by the Twin Terrors. All rights reserved. Stay tuned for some fun outtakes. Oh, pip pip. <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> Indubitably, my good man. Yay! I've got notes!
Newts? Newts? I don't believe it. You don't have newts. Well, I got better. <laughs> burn him! Burn him! <laughs> He's got newts! <laughs> He's a witch! <laughs> he knows how to write! <laughs> Listen, human. <laughs> He's trying to clean my fuzzy nuts. Do you mind? <laughs> Poor nutless boy. Uh, oh, there it is. Ah, I had an handkerchief someplace. <laughs> okay, so that should go at the end of the episode. <laughs> oh, Do I have anything left? <laughs> I don't see how. <laughs> wait, wait then, it, then, then, then again, it's your nose. <laughs> it holds a lot. Dude, dude, listen to this. That's my skull. <laughs> Uh, uh, you gotta start it. <clears throat> so anyway, um, this this uh, this is one of the, the this was one of the songs that got me started on being such a big thing on, or such a big proponent of keeping things in. Things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, if we just let you start talking, it's going to be another three hours. Yep, yep, could be, could be. Um, woe to you of earth and sea. For the devil sends the beast with wrath, because he knows the time is short. Let him who have understanding record the number of the beast. Uh, for it is a human number. Its number is 666. If I remember right, that's it. No, I haven't listened to that song a lot. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> okay. Um, so, uh, let's see. All right, uh, so I got you off topic. Yeah, you did. Uh, well, I was trying to figure out which which topic or which part of the topic I want to talk about next. Um, 